Welcome in to our Monday Night Football Recaps once more. We started last night with a game that pitted last year's number one seed in the AFC against a team who many believe will secure that honour this year. Before we dive into it, though, I want to welcome in my co-host, Michael McQuaid. Uh, Michael, can you believe 10% of the season done already? Don't be saying that. 10% gone already. And we're uh, at the time of recording, we are we can say that the uh, the NFL returns to London next weekend uh, on a tube strike weekend as well, which is great. So uh, great, to, great to be chatting football again, Mark. How's it going yourself? Good? Yeah, good. You know what? I <laughs> Funny weekend of NFL. I have never gone as poor as I have on my picks, which I think is a sign of, I said last week on my party, on my power rankings that i think we're at parity that the, there's about i don't know eight or nine teams that are going to go in favors every time the bills the chiefs the chargers even but underneath that like yeah you're gonna have games like the panthers and the giants you're gonna have teams like the steelers and the patriots kind of games like these that i don't know what they're actually going to do come the end of the year like what impact these kind of games are going to have but in terms of watching football games and the unpredictability of it, the Raiders and the Cardinals kind of game just sums it up. Two teams that aren't true Super Bowl contenders as we talk here today, but they're going to give us absolutely serious football games. It's funny because like, I was chatting to someone last week and they were saying about how, well, this weekend, of course, it's an NFL Sunday, but there's not that many standout games on the Sunday itself. I thought there was, and you're spot on with some of the ones you mentioned there. Um, we'll, we'll not go into it too much, but that, that Miami Baltimore game was was ridiculous, and and yeah, like I had a shocking week of picks. I started off with the uh, with the Chargers on Thursday night, and I, you know, I don't think you can begrudge anyone picking the Chargers in the current state of that team, and they showed that they can go up against it for most of the game, and it was one of those things. And it was some some of the games as well. I I did think that the Steelers would would beat New England, and I was surprised at how poor. Mitchell Trubisky was, um, and it's not as if they got a decent enough quarterback there. To, uh, just as a backup, and Kenny Pickett, he's extremely raw, um, and yeah, like the the Panthers for for the Panthers to go into New York and only score that amount of points is is inexcusable, and they deserve to lose the game. The Bengals, I mean, what is going on? So you would have been a very very brave man or woman to to bet on certain teams this weekend. That being said, uh, congrats to teams that are sitting two and one and one and. And teams that are sitting no one too, your season's not over. Like, you know, as Mark said, there's still uh, still 90% of the season left. <laughs> Do you know what? Um, they are, I put up a stat yesterday. An 0 2 team hasn't made it since 2018, but with the Jags sitting atop that roster or atop that division and the Titans clipping at their heels at 0 2, and even the likes of the Bengals at 0 2. I think this is the year that an 0 2 team will make the playoffs again. You can kind of have to play the numbers as well, that you have a 10% chance, but no one's done who's it. Who's 0 2 in the years, NFC? So. Who, who, who in the NFC is 0 2? I'm trying to think here now. Um, I can check it real fast for you. I'm, the Mandarins yeah, tra- are 1 and 1. The Falcons are 0 2. The. No, it's the, it's the Panthers and Falcons, I think, just. the Yeah, so Raiders, Bengals. And Titans are own two, Falcons and Texans. Uh, sorry, Falcons and Panthers are your own two teams. The NFC is very poor. It's alarming yeah, how poor yeah. it is. And the fact that Tom Brady, at the minute, in his mindset and the way that he's playing, granted he's 2-0, but his stats don't really say much. If 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 that Bucks team were to get to the NFC Championship game and in the way that they're playing now, Mark, it's intriguing. Because, well, they, they brought in Cole Beasley overnight, which is interesting as well. 
you know, I, I we we're not talking too much NFC on this uh, pod. So we're going to be focused on Buffalo Titans, but I do want to say I think that's absolutely true what you're saying about the NFC. That's why I picked the 49ers to represent the, the conference in the Super Bowl because I said I don't think it's going to be one of the quote-unquote power, powerhouses in Green Bay or the Rams or the Bucks. I just thought they were on a downward trajectory. Maybe it's it's a downward, but the rest of the NFC can't catch up. And I thought it might have been... Yeah, the likes of I, and I have a tweet saying this now, that it could have been the Eagles, Vikings, or I went with the 49ers. So we'll see how that pans out. But for right now, let's focus on Buffalo and Tennessee getting things back on track. And a game, I suppose, Michael, that was a replay of a Week 6 game from last year that, just like yesterday, the Titans went into with very low hopes, but they came out last year and went and beat the Bills, Chiefs, Chargers and Bucks, I believe, in three straight or four straight weeks to really get that whole momentum into the number one seed going for themselves. Could they have done that last night? I don't think anyone really gave them a chance. But what absolute, what actually materialized was an absolute stinker of a game. Stinker with a capital last minute. I mean, what's the word for stinker, Asquilica? Because that was absolutely <laughs> atrocious. It got to the point, mate, where I, I turned it off at, at one thirty. I put on the I put on the Eagles game. It was that poor from the Titans for Ryan Tannehill, who was number one. Obviously, that team finished at the end of the regular season, number one seed in the AFC, and that it was even looking back now for Mike Rabel, what a feat that was to go above the Chiefs and that and that uh, that Chiefs offense and defense last season. But for, for Ryan Tannehill last night to go 117 yards and only have 11 out of 20 completions with two interceptions, I, it does not strike me with confidence. More so, their defense. Letting in 41 points against against the Bills is... I mean, look, the Bills are a good football team. They've, they've now scored, I think, it's 72 points in the first two games. And somebody replied to a tweet that I put in regards to that going, well... They didn't play any other starters in the third quarter. That's fair enough. <laughs> 24 points in the third quarter. Uh, Stefan Diggs with, uh, was it a, over 100 and something yards receiving? 148 yards receiving. And that's only on 12 receptions for three passing touchdowns. But more so the plays, Mark, and the way and the, comf- the comfort of, uh, of Josh Allen on the ball. Like, Jesus, th- this team are going to be down the stretch. And they look really, really good. You just hope for Buffalo fans that they haven't peaked too early. But the the situation they find themselves in last year in Kansas City looks to have been the biggest motivation they've ever got because they now look transformed with bringing in Von Miller. And that defense is for real. And the Titans, the Titans can be happy that the Colts are absolute trash as well. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, do you know that whole division, the Jags top of it, the only win in that whole division through eight games belongs to Jacksonville Jaguars, the holders of the first overall pick just so recently, twice back to back. You said so many points that we can kind of jump off into. I mean, is the obvious one just to go into Josh Allen? Is, was that an MVP level performance or was that the Titans defense just being as poor as it was? Because I look at the last drive of the second half from the Bills when the game started to turn in their favor and a drive that left them 17, 10 at halftime, it was just Josh Allen picking the Titans defense apart with ease. He had long gains back to back. He Dawson Knox for 15 yards, Jake Coomer for 39 yards, Diggs then for 15 yards back to back to back. And then it ends with Diggs getting into the end zone for just a four yard touchdown, but like wide open on a four yard touchdown 
was Diggs. Now, the only problem I had as the whole game, because you're also mentioning the 12 receptions that Stephon Diggs had, but if you actually break down the other targets and where they went, Stephon Diggs had a third of all targets through the game. He had 14 of the 39 passing attempts from Josh Allen. His 12 receptions were half of the total catches from all the receivers. There was 10 other players that got a target. So the only thing that doesn't make me worry is this was the same going back to last year that we said, oh, if someone just decides to take Stefan Diggs out of the game, well, then Josh Allen will have no one to throw to. I suppose it's just not that easy, is it? It's it's one of those things where, like, I've I've watched, like, I watched the Bills in, in week one and week two, and hopefully I answer your question and not just tell me and slag me here, but the... You can only play what you're what you're told to 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 go up against, and for for them to go out against the Rams and still score that many points was impressive. I look at some of the plays that they had, and yes, that Titans defense was was poor. But Josh Allen, man, last night there was times where he was throwing the ball to Stephon Diggs, and it looked like his arm hadn't even went the full way. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. Like it makes you think: Has he picked? And if he hasn't picked, it, what is his pick? And it's like that's scary, man. It's scary. And one thing as well, they still, and this is something that they've struggled with for two or three years, they don't have. Uh, I know I'm going off the point here. Sorry, but they they don't have a running back. They, well, like they have, but they've never. Like you've seen teams where they get maybe on average they've got one running back. Like for example, Jonathan Taylor will have over you know 100 yards, 120 yards rushing of the game. Last night, James Cook was their main was was their leading rusher, 53 rush yards, an average of 4.8 per game. So that shows you if they can find a different way for this offense to take it to a different level. But it shows you the confidence that Josh Allen has just firing it down the field to Stephon Diggs and not even him, uh, Jake Kumaro, who I'd never heard of until last night. There you go. That's my public apology. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Did I answer the question? I probably didn't. No, I mean, it, it kind of touched on the points because, yeah, he hadn't heard about Jay Kumro before last night. I, I don't think he was in Buffalo last year, so maybe he can be forgiven there. But it's like, yeah, the next guy after that is your Dawson Knox. And it's kind of that step up. Like, I suppose what, how I want to tie it in is you're talking about they don't have a running back. But, like, you know, they used to have, like, be relying on a Frank Gore, like an overage Frank Gore. And it's like you knew that he was the guy. Whereas now they've switched on to the offense where it's like Savon Diggs and wait, who else is behind them? And it's going to be a point that we'll talk about in our next segment or our next show with the Eagles having a ton of depth and how that can kind of work for you. But it's like at the moment with the way that you say that Josh Allen is playing between throwing the ball to Savon Diggs and his own running, I suppose you don't really need a ton of backs. Um, James Cook came in last night, the brother of Dalvin Cook, who was taken in the third round of the draft. Now, it was garbage time when he came in, but he did rip off a 34-yarder. So when you have himself and Singletary, it's like yeah, you don't really want to rely on one guy because one of the noise fans when he goes in injured because they're ultimately going to go for too much. And then it's like the fans are calling for one guy because they've on fantasy. So I kind of like where the, the Bills have gone with it, that they do have a committee there now um, even in their first, um, when the first plays was to a, a different running back who was able to t- tear off against the Titans defense and kind of bring it into a different point. One thing that really disappointed me with the Titans and defending these guys was the absolute like missed tackle after missed tackle that they had <laughs> yesterday. And it was like, that's why it was kind of, that's almost what I put against Buffalo. It's not even their fault. It's that they're against this defense that, was either leaving receivers wide open or was just in the first half I counted like three, like I'm talking like slit tackles. Like it shouldn't have been allowed. So, I mean, 
you can't, again, you can't, you can only go up against who you're playing is what you're after saying, right? So it's not Buffalo's fault, no, but it's like I definitely think they could have had a better opponent and appreciated a, a game a bit more. But again, you're getting rid of the former number one seed, so job done. And they're going to have an opponent at the weekend with the Dolphins. That's going to be an intriguing game yeah. the weekend to see because on both sides of the ball, I personally think that they're better than the, than Tennessee who have went down. And you're right, there wasn't one sack in the Tennessee defense last night. And that was a defense that people or fans or teams were scared of almost last year because you went into Tennessee, it wasn't just having Derek Henry run, run for you. You knew that you were going up against a decent defense and you were going to have maybe not struggle but you were going to have to prepare in that game in a, in a different way and I, I and I agree with what you're saying about Buffalo um, especially in that offense they're a bit light aren't they like uh, any team if the really bonding goes down yeah but that was the same point that I think I've been saying for even two years now that and if then he even, goes even down even with Miami though like if if Tyreek Hill was to go down God forbid yeah. they, they still got Jalen Waddle and Mike Kisicki, I, you know? I think that Jalen Waddle is such a benefactor of Tyreek Hill being on the field like that's what happens when you start to have depth on a team that it's like Jalen Waddle last year against the Saints I think it was Monday Night Football around Christmas time had his coming out game because they just they didn't look after him but it's like otherwise throughout the year he was looked after he was being defended against and certainly after that point he was defended against that Tyreek Hill kind of unlocks the offense so it's it's Josh Allen is unlocking the offense with his feet and it opening up Stefan Diggs. That's the only thing that I can put it down to because it's been going on for too long now. No one has caught up and they've played, you know, serious teams. Um, and I suppose the Chiefs game last year, um, Stefan Diggs wasn't even a massive factor, but the Chiefs defense wouldn't be renowned for its uh, defending of, you know, wide receiver one. So I, I, I don't know what it is. Straight off, I don't know what it is. I think it's amazing that they have the success with him, that they can target him 14 times and he he brings in 12 of those and goes off for his whatever it was 100 and something yards 148 yards like that's that's insane and he didn't even it's play the relationship the whole game. though isn't it it's like the relationship like if you look at the way that alan plays with digs and the confidence that they both have and then people are giving off about Derek carr and devontae adams of the weekend it's just funny like how, how yeah uh, yeah but but it's a it's a fair point because that is the exact thing that and devontae adams does have you know more quote-unquote guys around him um that it is, it's a conundrum when it comes to Buffalo. Before we move off this game, I do want to go to the other side of the ball, to the defense, because I think they are should have their dues as well. They obviously had their interceptions, but one moment that has to be highlighted, 11 minutes left in the second quarter, when Matt Milano absolutely leveled Kyle Phillips. It, I think that was the real change point of the game for me, because it was the next... Um, the next uh, drive, actually, no, the next drive was a field goal. But anyway, it was the next. It was. I thought that was the turning point for me. I thought that they brought an insane intensity, and the way to look at that best is what they did to Derrick Henry, who I don't know, maybe he has hit what age twenty nine, something ridiculously young to anyone but a football player, and especially a running back. He had thirteen carries yesterday for twenty five yards. But what stuck out to me when I'm watching was the tackles for loss. And on those 13 carries, he had five tackles for loss. Like, we are not used to seeing Derek Henry. He's so elusive, or certainly he's such a bulldozer that normally he gets through. And it's like, that's why I was thinking about that Matt Milano hit. It's like, that was what was being brought in every single play, that they had really zoned in on Derek Henry, and they're ready to, you know, bring the pain. And Buffalo, what they did yesterday, maybe it is a Derek Henry on their way, but it was still nonetheless impressive what they're able to do to that Titans offense. To limit Henry to 25 yards rushing 
It was 25 yards rushing, yeah. That is that's phenomenal over 1. the course 9, of 1.9 yards per carry, which is ridiculous. His long was on the first drive, he had a nine yard long. And that brings and jo- up what and that's Josh like what? Allen had 10 yards rushing. I mean, yeah, that says a lot. Like that is insane. Um yeah, Matt, Matt Milano is is a beast of a linebacker. The play in the third quarter with Tannehill and the interception was just, I think that's when you knew if you hadn't turned it off by that point, that was the time to turn it off. The game was over. But re- really impressive from the Bills, man. Really, really impressive. Oh, they're and, hands uh, down the number one team at the moment. Like, hands down. And have you seen their schedule the next few weeks? They've got, uh, obviously, Miami this Sunday, which we all hope and pray and light a candle like games on television. If it's not, it could be interesting. <laughs> uh, the Ravens, and then the Steelers, and then the Chiefs, and then the Packers. Um, it was um, it was a graphic a that I schedule. never got round to doing, but Warren Sharp football analytics guy he does a great one each year where it's not your strength of schedule it's your projected strength of schedule so it's you know last year's teams aren't going to get the same win so this projects based on what your vegas odds or your vegas over under for total wins is and buffalo was by far the toughest schedule and they could still make mince meat of it i will say this now and this is an exclusive not do not do not clip this if they get through week seven after beating Miami, Baltimore, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Packers, and they go seven and zero. No, it's wait, well, yeah, it's seven and zero. It, it, it would be week eight because there's a bye week in between the Chiefs and Packers game. They'll go unbeaten. It's so their last, to do. their last, their last ten, their last uh, is it eight or ten games? Are they'll win every one of them? They'll not lose any of those games. It's Maybe so tough to do. You, 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 there's, you, there's always a banana peel in there. But there is, there, there is a situation in week eighteen yeah, where, where they play the Patriots, and that could be in Buffalo. Who knows? But like, no, no harm. But if they genuinely go beat Miami, beat Baltimore, beat the Steelers, beat the Chiefs, beat the Packers, what else can they do? That's two weeks my in. Saying, but... Two weeks in, it's like a time capsule where we don't know where the season is actually going to go. You know, post this on the 8th of January. Stefan <laughs> Diggs could get injured next week. Knock on wood, he won't. I love hearing and genuinely believing in our voices now. You can hear it. It's a complete possibility. They're playing that good. Like, honest to God, the Buffalo Bills right now are as good as any team in the last five years, the way they're playing. It's a bit like Dublin's five in a row team or Toronto five or eight or. Do you know the only thing that surprised me, Michael, that they came in as such hot favorites, and normally, you know, that person kind of slips to the back a little bit, almost like what the but Rams so and the Bengals have done, and they are absolutely owning it. They're in prime time now, <laughs> seemingly every week, and they're just balling. So uh, I'm excited to keep watching the Bills. Uh, obviously, fans are amazing, etc., etc., etc. It's fun to see a team like that um, versus sometimes the Titans fans got a bit ahead of themselves last week. So it's a bit of, or last year, it's a bit of humble pie for them. But um, they have a slightly softer part of the schedule coming up, so it's not all over. Like I said, I don't think at zero two that they're going to be ruled out, and I do think an zero two team is going to go to the playoffs. So uh, maybe clip that one on the eighth of January. Uh, we'll leave it there, Michael. We do have another podcast coming up uh, talking about the other one night football but uh, if you're on here for Bills and Titans thanks for joining us